Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan. Hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Well, we've got a really compact little story for you to hear today. And uh, But before we get started, I want to just point people to a little course that we've developed. It's kind of like a refresher around some tips, sort of the tips, the little secret sauce that we share with the people that we're coaching. And it's just, it's just called seven tips to be a business, better business storyteller. And if you go to our homepage, you'll see a, a link to it. Go and check it out. Uh, it's $49 uh, to, to sign up and you'll get those seven tips, lots of videos, lots of activities, just to give you that refresher, that um, a little bit of uh, impetus, if you like, to, to build your, you know, story practice. So check that out. Okay. Um, Mark, so anything, uh, anything on the horizon in terms of uh, interesting things you've seen in the world of COVID at the moment? Uh, well, I guess one of the things that I have been seeing is that there are still things happening that are going into my story bank. Right. So, okay. Uh, even though we're in lockdown and, uh, and, and we know that, that to build your repertoire, your repertoire of stories, it's really good to put yourself in the way of experiences. And of course, that's we've got. Anyway, there are still things happening, and so um, I just want to. I'll just What's start one? By sharing What's a little. What's one that uh, jumps out for you? Well, I was having a, a coaching conversation uh, yesterday uh, with a lady from one of the banks here, and uh, she's really excited, and she loves the podcast. By the way, she's got into the podcast, and. She was saying, I've been doing lots of practice. In fact, I have been practicing with my kids. So rather than read a story, I just talk about something that's happened. And last night, I was telling my two daughters uh, about a time 10 years ago when my husband and I were traveling in Europe, um, you know, backpacking uh, uh, before kids. We're very limited budget and we were in Helsinki, which is really expensive. And they were at this uh, water uh, waterfront area and there was a famous bakery and she said I paid four euros for a muffin and another four for a cup of coffee uh, like out outrageous and they walked outside and sat down on the waterfront and it's a beautiful day and you know beautiful vista but she's got buyer's remorse you know should I have spent the money on this and she she said I took a bite of that muffin and it was delicious. It was just delicious. And I kind of leaned back and thought, oh, that is so beautiful. And as I'm leaning back, this monstrous seagull swooped down, grabbed the muffin and swallowed the whole thing in one gulp. It was a monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Um, and, and anyway, so interesting story, but some really good potential business applications of that story. So I whacked it straight into my story bank. And, you know, so if you've got a team that are delivering a project and it's looking pretty good, then you could tell that story and say, don't get complacent. <laughs> well, there you go. So, I mean, so the thing is, you know, even when we're in lockdown, there are plenty of places to find stories. So I, the story I want to tell today actually uh, comes from a book that I've just written, uh, read, Read, I didn't write it. Um, uh, read by, uh, well, Bob Iger, he's the CEO of Disney, right? Um, and he wrote a book called The Ride of a Lifetime. Uh, just come out this year. It's, it's, you know, rave reviews. People are really enjoying it. Uh, partly it's because it's full of stories, you know, uh, no doubt about that. 
Um, he's also had an amazing career, but uh, the one that stood out for me is um, uh, happened just when he became CEO of Disney. So he had this long uh, sort of rise to the top through uh, the ABC TV network. So I think he ended up being kind of like the president of ABC TV and then ABC TV got bought by Disney. So in all the negotiations, he ended up being the chief operating officer for Disney, uh, reporting to Michael Eisner, who was, you know, a renowned CEO of Disney, uh, did some pretty amazing things in that company. And so, you know, he, he did, he's, he's sort of guy, he just puts his head down, gets the job done, does great work. And eventually, through some, you know, machinations, of course, it was never an easy thing, but he ended up becoming the CEO of, uh, of the whole company. And so he's got his first board meeting. You know, it's an evening meeting. Uh, there's 10 of them on the board, you know, big, long sort of conference table. Um, everyone's besuited, sitting there, uh, ready to have the meeting. And he pulls up, stands in front of everyone, and he just says, guys, Disney animation is an absolute mess. And he kind of knew that everyone had heard that before, but he didn't think they'd felt it before. So he decides to, before he starts to show all the statistics and the research and, you know, and what they were going to do about this, he thought he would start off with just a, an illustration of what he meant. And so he says, you know what, guys, two weeks ago I was in Hong Kong with a couple of you who are here with me. Remember, we went and watched, of course, we were there for the opening of the Hong Kong Disneyland. And there we were on Main Street. They had the big parade happening. Float after float were going past us with Disney characters atop, on top of each of these floats. And, you know, somewhere from the classic, you know, Walt Disney period, Pinocchio, Cinderella, Snow White, uh, somewhere from the early days of Michael Eisner, um, when he, you know, did The Lion King and Aladdin. And, and then uh, there were some characters uh, on top of the float from the partnership that they had from, with Pixar at the time. Uh, so, you know, there's Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. Uh, characters up there. And as he says, as I was watching this parade go by, it struck me that something was missing. And he turns to the board and he sort of says, so what, what's missing here for you? And they don't say anything. And he says, what's missing is that we haven't had any new characters for the last 10 years, right? Now, this is a big problem for a company like Disney because having new characters is where everything is generated. All their revenue is generated from new rides that they create based on a character, new merchandise uh, new uh, offshoots of, you know, animations that they do. It all comes out of the fact that they have great films out of their animation studio and they have great characters, right? Anyway, that was the, when I heard, when I heard that story, I thought, wow, that's, that's a great way to start a board meeting. Now, it's, in, it's useful to know, of course, then what did he do after that? Well, just to give you a sense of the impact of this, this guy had. So Bob Iger, the first thing he did was he bought Pixar Studios, right? So with Steve Jobs as the head of that and uh, had to negotiate with Steve Jobs to, to buy that, wasn't an easy thing at all. Um, and so for $4.3 billion, he bought himself um, 
you know, Pixar. Then he went out and bought Marvel, right? Of course, the biggest grossing movies of today are essentially Marvel movies. So that was a pretty good pick. Um, thirdly, he then goes to George Lucas and he buys Lucasfilm and the whole Star Wars mythology, right? And that was all about getting George Lucas comfortable with, um, you know, sort of detaching for something that was so connected to his, you know, sort of, uh, what you say is his whole, you know, being, if you like. And then the last one, if you think those were big sort of purchases, his last one was to um, buy Fox Studios and a whole bunch of other Fox-related uh, sort of uh, products, costing $54 billion. Um, I mean, Disney is now a behemoth. It's it's must be the largest media company in the world. And Iger is still the uh, the head of that. He's got another year to run. And he um, he's definitely a, a guy who's leading the way in terms of not only being a, a great chief executive, but also a great business storyteller. What do you reckon? I love it. I love it. I, I get a little bit excited about that story because... Um, and I'm going to jump straight into how you use it because one of the things that we regularly bump into is people who are going, there's no place for story in business and to have fantastic examples of senior executives using stories so effectively in the boardroom. It's, it's a great way of demonstrating that this, this is what the best communicators do. So I'm pretty excited about it from that perspective. Yeah, it is. It's a good one. You know, and it's all happening there. Um, and it's just such a simple story. It's not a, it just come, it just happened to come from an experience that he had from a couple of weeks before. We, we had an insight, right? Stories come from insights. And, yeah, and the uh, story is very simple, um, right up until you got to the bit where you talked about what did he then do? And yes. so, yeah, that, and that's that, really, that, that then got complicated. Now, it's an interesting part of the story. Yeah, I don't know if you actually have to add that. I, mean, I think it yeah. adds a little bit to it. It's just my enthusiasm from reading the book and I've, and I've got those little details in my head at the moment, right, about the four big purchases that he made, uh, you know, in his uh, tenure as CEO. Um, and, but it just sort of gives a sense of, okay, this guy is willing to take the big swings, right? He's not leaving anything behind. He's, he's going for it. And he's had, you know, he's had a great track record. Um, you know, it would have, what would have happened if Pixar went, didn't create more, you know, sort of um, you know, absolute blockbuster uh, sort of movies, for example? Well, he probably yeah. got the chance to do Marvel after that, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, so in, if, if we... Focus, because I kind of took us into the business application. Uh, we really need to talk firstly about what, what makes it work, what doesn't. Yeah, yeah, One right. of the things I really liked was kind of, I could picture that boardroom. Right. You know, the formality, the, the power in the room, the yes. you know, kind of high stakes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so just that little, that little picture you painted there was very useful. I think too, uh, Again, you know, these are well-known characters when you're talking about the floats, you know, Cinderella, Snow White, Pinocchio. I mean, there's, you don't have to say it where you just say the name and people, you know, have big experiences attached to that, right? Which I think is, if that happens in a story, what a great benefit. 
Yeah, and and also the description of of being there, you know, sitting at at Main Street and the floats going past. That's something that I could also picture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of the, the pomp and ceremony and. Mm, yeah, and characters, exactly. as you say, then the names of the characters, and and now suddenly you can see the characters on the float. So it's a really uh, effective uh, device to help people picture in their mind. This, by, uh, by the way, you know, in um, storytelling, people love the idea of threes, right? So you know, I I, I tried to, I was thinking about that. I don't, it wasn't I could create it, but I was thinking about it. So I wanted to divide the characters up. So there was the Walt Disney characters. There were the Michael Eisner characters, and then there were the Pixar characters, right? There's some something about the rhythm of threes in stories that we like. Don't know why it is, but you know, if you can see an opportunity for it, you know, where you can repeat something three times, or where you can divide something into three, you know, sort of bunches. This this helps in story, helps your story. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you see that uh, that pattern of threes repeating. Uh, over a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, so I like that there was, even though the, in, in another telling that our listeners might use, they might not need to go into all of the details about what happened later you know, with yeah. all those purchases, just knowing that that was an important turning point and it led to all of these big purchases because they needed to purchase not just the characters, but the capability to develop new characters because everything was driven from that. Yeah, and of course that that leads us to the business point, which is oh, sorry, a potential business point, which is about you need to understand what drives your business. And Eisner was uh, sorry, Iger was really clear. Yeah, yeah, he understood it. Yeah, yeah. What would you do, to Mark, though, to make that an even better story? What, what advice would you provide from a coaching perspective? Do you think? Oh, I, I guess I would. Uh, I would reiterate what we've already said and that is you, you don't need to go into all the detail of, of the right. follow-on purchases um just keep that keep that pretty short because it's a very compact story if you uh, finish with you know inflection point and uh, big purchases and now it's a behemoth well maybe here's another um uh, way of doing it instead of even talking about the the different purchases, you just focus in on Pixar because that was essentially the solution to that problem, right? So the problem is they had a problem, so they bought Pixar. The heads of Pixar ended up being the heads of the Disney animation studios. And turned it around. And, and turned it around and, and, you know, and now we have uh, Frozen. Yeah. Right? Fact, so that's, that yeah. might be a better way because you're then re you're keeping focused on essentially that business point there, which is around, um, you know, you need characters to drive, you know, the growth engine of that business. Right. And yep. so that's the solution to the problem. Yeah. I think yep. that would be the way to do it. Okay. So in terms of business applications, uh, uh, the understand the purpose of your business yep. uh, is a good one uh, for us. Uh, it's an illustration 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 that people in senior positions who are really great communicators do this really successful leaders do this and what, what way, else and it's not just for us mark because our the people who are listening to this podcast often have to make the case for business storytelling so this is a story for you guys ah, to have true. in your pocket right so um, yeah pop it in your back pocket and and um, and use that but what was the, the other one you were going to say mark well, so those are the, those are the two oh, main, main ones. ones right. uh, understand that what drives your business and uh, 
and it's a, a good good example. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's give it a rating then. What do you think? Well, I know I'm going to be using this story. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an an eight. You nearly said nine then. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. I was thinking, is it a seven or is it an eight? Oh, eight. no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Um, and oh. I feel like I haven't really exercised the nine very often. And, and I think this is going to be a very useful story to tell, um, especially with those little tweaks that you've suggested to improve it. Um, so that's great. Fantastic. Well, guys, that's, I think that's where we'll wrap up today. I know Mark has to race out the door. I can see he's sort of uh, itching to get to his next meeting. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. It's always great to have you here. Uh, please give a, a rating on you know, iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast uh, you know, and, and leave a review. It just helps other people find the, the, uh, the podcast and we want more people to sort of bring humanity to the workplace by using stories. So, yeah, but tune in next week for yet another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio.